I don't boom diet as a rapper. My jersey up too high in the rafters. I got a frog team, new life and attractive. Soon sipping that moonshine and a plastered. All right, everyone, back to another episode of the Moonlighters Club. I am Joel, your host. I realized I was not introducing myself on most of these, so now I'm going to do that. Uh, we're back with another one. Um, I'll actually let you introduce yourself sure. to the world. Some people have intros that they do or not, but yeah. Yeah, well, uh, good good evening, I guess, everyone. <laughs> I'm super excited to be part of this podcast. My name is Quan Yang, and uh I'm a pharmacist based out of uh, the Boston area, um, working on oncology, and uh, yeah, just excited to be here to kind of share my journey, uh, sort of part-timing this sort of entrepreneurial creative pursuit that we call prickly, which is a super fruit water made out of prickly pears, which is a fruit of the cactus, basically, um, that myself and you know four of the pharmacists have kind of been working on over the last couple of years, and kind of just happy to share some of the, the trials and tribulations in our journey in that process, and uh yeah, and just get to, to know this guy and all that that's uh, going on with this podcast as well. Nice. So let's jump into, I remember we had, we interviewed uh, uh, Becky Fleet from, um, I can't even think, Powerball Protein. Protein I don't know why yeah. I couldn't think of that. She went to school for uh, pharmaceuticals too. Why? I, why how, what? At what point were you like, man, I can actually go to school for this? Because to me, medicine, anything medicine related was like just scary as shit. Yeah. Um, you know, to be honest... I don't think I had that process as well. You know, I, I kind of just went through the motions, yeah. you know, and uh, I grew up in Canada, actually. Oh, nice. I grew up in Canada uh, in, in sort of this town called Mississauga, which is like yeah. outside of... That's in Ontario, right? Yep. It's Ontario, okay. Yeah. Right where... Uh, it's right outside Toronto, so it's kind of okay. like, you know, the Worcester to, you know, Boston kind of thing, right? Cool. Um, pretty decently sized city, and a lot of my friends were just kind of gravitating towards the, the healthcare field. So medicine, pharmacy, yeah. dentistry, and so a lot of my high school friends were in that in that sort of domain. And so naturally, when I went to school, I actually didn't really have sort of a, a vivid dream of sort of um, going into this. It just yeah. sort of naturally happened, nice. you know. And so um, I went through the motions. I was in science because they were in science, <laughs> and I found myself kind of. <laughs> Going through the motions and I, I did fine. You know, I was like, I, I, I was okay at science and um, I, you know, I went to undergrad and that was a little bit more challenging. You know, yeah. that's when you kind of realize you don't really <laughs> like this stuff, you know, but I was stuck in it. You yeah. know? So, so I went through farm, uh, undergrad at uh, Montreal. I went to a school called McGill and then when I finished undergrad, um, you know, I went to pharmacy school because again, that was just like the next step. What you do. It was just trying yeah. to figure out what you do with this degree now, right? And how do you, how do you make money? Um, so pharmacy school was pretty much like a natural transition of things. Yeah. Um, but I have to say that kind of looking back at every step of my life, I, I kind of felt like I was always trying to to kind of run away from whatever that calling was, right? So I was the only one in my sort of group of friends that sort of went off to Montreal when everyone kind of stayed in Toronto. And then and then when I went to, to pharmacy school, which I did in Baltimore at Mar uh, the University of Maryland, ah, nice. Um, I was trying to run away from what everyone else was trying to do, which was hospital pharmacy okay. or, or community pharmacy. And so just thinking differently and, and trying to figure out what, what my calling was. Cause I just was like, this doesn't feel right to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then I started working and then, uh, you know, my nine to five that we'll get into. And then, um, immediately became clear to me that I also don't want to work in like, uh, <laughs> the nine to five setting, you know? And so I think my life has just been a continuous journey of just trying to figure out, um, what it was that we, you know, was meant to kind of do. And so prickly was that first sort of foray into, into that creative, uh, experience yeah. and, and exploration. And I think it's starting to really hit home, you know, what it is. any well. point growing up was like entrepreneurial stuff, everything, or did you ever like have a yeah. plan with friends where you would sell stuff or do stuff? You know what I mean? Like that? Uh, surprisingly not. I don't okay. think so. Um, 
because now I'm like super passionate about it. Yeah. And I like try to try to encourage everyone um, uh, that, that I kind of meet a lot of my students that I actually precept in my previous job as well. Just kind of like explore and think about the world from a different perspective, like a bigger perspective, you yeah. know, uh, the game outside of the game, I guess, really. Yeah. Um, but but at no point, I think when I was growing up that I kind of think, oh, I'm going to go and try to start my own company. I think it was one of those things that um, I look back and I think about things like, I always, I just wasn't really kind of with the the same train, right? Like we were all riding the train in the same direction, but yeah. I was always kind of like, where are we going? You know, I always kind of, I never really questioned it. I never also had a vision for where that destination was. I was always just kind of like, well, this is cool right now. We'll see where it goes. Uh, and that's kind of how I felt. So that's, I think a little bit of why I left, you know, Toronto to go to Montreal yeah. on my own. And then, you know, how, you know, I came to the States afterwards and then even in pharmacy school, just kind of try to do something different. And then it's always been a search for something different, you know, because mm. I think I, I just never uh, found peace at, you know, what was presented to me. And yeah. life was always a series of like, here, there's there's three choices, A, B and C. And based on what, you know, pick the best one. You know, and that's what mm. I did. Right. And I felt like life was still like that even up to this point. And then Prickly was sort of that first moment where, you know, myself and our, you know, my partners, we kind of looked at looked at each other and said, why don't we forge our own path? You know, A instead of A, B and C, why not choose Z or D or, you know, uh, and then kind of just kind of figure that out and just explore that opportunity as well. So nice. Yeah. I don't know. So you're going through it and it's interesting. It's like it, you, we hear that a lot from most of our entrepreneurs. It's like yeah. they were either super rebellious, young, um, like not doing work that was boring or things like that. Or they're just like, this isn't this is not for me. Yeah. So do you when it came to starting something new? Did you see something, did you think of something that could help in a form of um, this product? Or were you kind of like, nah, I just want to do something else. Let's figure out what yeah. that something else can be. I think it was more the, the second. Okay. Um, you know, I think that there are some people that have this like uh, amazing epiphany or, or vision yeah. and they think of something and 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 they fully execute that, that brilliant idea, right? I think everyone thinks of entrepreneurship like, Oh, we're going to, you know, the first thing you think about is like, how do we create a or solve a problem that's going to change the way the world is like, yeah. altogether, right? This super expansive idea. Uh, and, and, you know, what I've kind of come to, to learn through my experiences is um, sometimes innovation isn't coming in and changing the world from like one to 120%. It's like making that 1%, 2%, 3% change and impact in the best way that you can. And then going from there, right? Uh, and so, you know, Prickly wasn't, you know, obviously it wasn't like one of those days where you just woke up and like, oh, I'm going to make a cactus yeah. in the water. But it was a it was a natural and organic progression from where we, we started, which was you think everyone, you know, grew up in, in tech like yourself, like yeah. a lot of people in our generation where we kind of thought, oh, apps are going to just solve all of our problems. Like everyone's got an app. Everyone's <laughs> yeah. got an yeah. app, you know. Uh, and so that was a natural way to kind of go. You thought, yeah. oh, I have an app idea for this. I have an app idea for this, uh, you know. I'm a pharmacist. We're all pharmacists on, on, you know, in this brand. And so none of us can code and build an app, yeah, you know? And yeah. so the first thing we realized when we had an app idea was who's going to make an app, you know, we got to find something to make <laughs> yeah, an app. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, anyone starting anything, they're going to come to realize that you, you can't really outsource passion. You can't really outsource perseverance. You can't outsource um, commitment. Yeah. Right. That's got to come from yourself. Yeah. And so you, it's kind of hard to ask somebody to say like, Hey, I have this idea. Do you want to spend 300 hours of your life trying to make it make it a reality? And what do you get? Um, I don't know, a percentage of something when it's worth something one day, right? <laughs> That's just not something that anybody will will buy into. And so we realized pretty quickly that if we couldn't do it ourselves, yeah. we couldn't do it. 
you know? And so the next step was, well, what skills do we have aside from medications and, and scientific knowledge that we had in, in pharmacy? And we decided to kind of think differently. We, we thought about a bigger problem like, you know, what are some societal and social uh, problems that we have for people our age? And, you know, liver detoxification was that first thing that came to mind. So um, we, we decided to kind of explore something a little bit more creative in our pursuits. Yeah. Um, and everyone can, anyone can make a drink. You know, that was, that was kind of like taking the, the process of like making lemonade when you're like a little kid. Yeah. And just like scaling it up a thousand billion times, right? Um, so we got some prickly pear fruit. We got a juicer. We got a pasteurizer. We started cooking up recipes in our kitchen. Google was our best friend. And then, you know, two years later, we're sitting with a product in front of us. So, you know, it's, it's sort of one of those things where we did it because we could, you know, nice. because it was we could do it physically. Um, and, and that was, I think, the biggest breakthrough we had yeah. uh, in our journey of entrepreneurship is what can you do now by yourself when you're under resourced, um, when you don't have the cash flow to do any of this stuff? And you just have your own perseverance, your own passion, your own, you know, ability to hold yourself accountable and yeah. commit. And that's that's all it takes sometimes. But it's it's hard to find that right fit for those skills. So I like how you come up like you're just thinking of the topic. You get to detoxification. That's probably yeah. what led you to the fruit in the process. How hard was it to get the first one made? Because I feel like it's already a journey to figure out, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to combine these things to get it. How, how hard is it to make one of these? That always interests me yeah. when it comes to products because it looks, you need, all I see is the product. So I'm like, right, oh, that's right, whatever. I'll right. just go get it from some country. They'll make it. Yeah, <laughs> like I just don't yeah. even know how that is. Um, it's, it's uh, I guess it's kind of, it's easy and hard at the same time. What, what I mean by that is, is this is, a, this is probably version like 10 okay. know, of our product. This is the newest version. Um, this is our rebranded effort that we launched a month ago that has been, you know, tremendously successful to date since we've rebranded. And a lot of that has come from learning. So is it easy to, to create a product? Yeah, it's easy to create a product in the sense of, you know, anyone can create a drink. Anyone can follow instructions of how to get it produced. You can, you know, the Internet is so powerful nowadays that mm. you can really sit in your room and start a business like this um, without really leaving your room, you know, yeah. we did because obviously we had to just test and keep asking ourselves questions and improve the product. But um, the process of starting a company, the process of finding vendors, the process of finding people to help you design and make your idea come to life, the process of just getting into stores, like you could do this all through a phone, a smartphone, your laptop in your room and stuff. Um, so the process of actually doing something isn't hard. It's kind of like an ongoing project that never ends. That's kind of how I see business yeah. is, uh, you know, whatever jobs you kind of do in life or even a science project like in school, it's just like this this never ending project that, you you know, you start off with and you have a general sense of of your vision of, of what uh, the end looks like. Yeah. But unlike other projects where there is an actual end in business, there isn't really an end. You know, that, that's I'm so glad you said that because yeah. you think there is like when you're coming up with a business plan or anything, right? Like I'm gonna make a design or build this app yeah. or anything. It's like no, like you have to maintain, like yeah. re, like you have to go over everything again. You have to evaluate, reevaluate. It's it's never ending. Never like ends. for any business, Walmart is literally trying to figure out how to like make new shelves right now. Right, and you just like think like why. Right. But no, I'm so glad you said that. You kind of like start a business and then you start a business is almost like you have one problem to solve. And then, you know, you become a business when you suddenly have 100 problems to solve. Yeah. because You've created problems for yourself to solve. Right. And that's that's a uh, show of, of growth in some ways. Um, but, you know, for, for us, it was very much kind of like, yeah, you know, you start off with the idea of making a drink. But all right. Then you start asking yourself questions like, OK, where do I get my ingredients? Um, do I need any food safety standards that I have to uphold? Where can I produce these things? How do I get cans? 
how do I get a label, <laughs> yeah, right? Dude, like, yeah, yeah. These things are, are Googleable questions, yeah. right? And uh, and so it becomes your best friend. And then, you know, you take it one step at a time. You just solve the next problem ahead of you. And then you keep going. So, again, going back to it, is it easy to, to start a business? Yeah, it is easy. What's hard is is progressing through it, sticking with it. And ask and, and and holding yourself accountable to say, you know, are we doing this right? Are we doing this the best way we can? Can we improve and can we persevere and not give up in that process and continue pushing? Because uh, that's really the only thing that differentiates successful businesses from others is this the perseverance. You know, at any point where you're like, oh shit, this is like really going down. Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, <laughs> even, even even still, I mean, you know, I don't I don't think that there's any point where you're like. Oh, we've made it. Right? Yeah, like I, yeah. <laughs> but there's a thousand points where you're like, oh, I don't know if we can make it. Right. Like, yeah. I think that's that's what you, you feel more than because um, it's such an organic thing. Like, it's kind of like when you learn a new skill or something like that, like yeah. you, you start a new job or something. You're just like day one. You're like, how is everyone around me so good at this job or whatever it is? And then you're like, am I ever going to learn this? Right. And then a year later, you look back and you're like, wow. I grew a lot as a person. I developed a lot of skills. Like I can do this job now pretty well. I can even yeah. teach people how to do this job. That's kind of like a business. Like you start off and you look around and you're like, oh man, all these brands are so good. Like, am I ever going to be that way? Right. Um, and, you know, again, like you solve problems one step at a time, one step at a time. You prioritize what you need to solve now and then, you know, what you need to do tomorrow and you have a good vision and, and plan for it. But, you know, eventually you get to a point where you say, oh, wow, look where we are, Right. Um, and, and that's kind of the one thing that you kind of just have to remind yourself of all the time is to just take a moment, pause and just be like, look back and see how far you've come. Right. right? Like, what have you accomplished, um, in, in the six months that you've been doing this, right. That, you know, where were you a year ago? Where were you four months ago? You know, sometimes you're kind of really impressed with, with how much you can achieve, right. Just doing 1% every day, you know, it adds up and, uh, and some days that that 1% is bigger than others, you know, but but you look back and you say like, holy crap, we've come a long way. And if you don't do that, you're just not giving yourself credit. And then you always just feel like the downs, yeah. you know. How comfortable were you uh, on the external side of business, like selling, uh, telling people about it? It seems like the process stuff, you you, you all are like, no, we got to do this. So when it comes to presenting it, trying to get in those stores, selling mm-hmm. to those people, mm-hmm. how does that, that come by initially? Uh, we're all pretty extroverted people. So fortunately for us, that part, the the, the, the go out there and just like mm. talk loudly at people, <laughs> at people, not even to people, at people, uh, was, wasn't the struggle. The struggle was fine-tuning our messages and getting good at that, right? So I think there's a lot of people that feel like, oh, you know, maybe we're more of an introverted person and it takes a lot of energy for us to kind of go out there and do that. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's challenging, but you kind of have to. That's the only way to get your brain out there is word of mouth. Um, and word of mouth through, you know, it could be social media marketing. When you don't have money, it's when you don't have money, it's really just literally word of mouth. You know, sometimes going out there and educating people on our project uh, product is the best form of marketing we can provide because yeah. they get to sample it. They get to meet who we are behind the brand. And in 2019, it's never been more important to understand the people behind yeah. the brand as well. Uh, as the brand itself. So that's strong marketing right there, but you have to be comfortable doing that. Right. And in the beginning, you know, you're just kind of a blanket approach. You're like, Oh, that sounds good. Influencer marketing sounds good. This sounds good. That sounds good. You do everything and you have no idea what's working. And you kind of hope that some, someday there will be sort of like a light that just like, you know, turns on. You're like, Oh, that I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Uh, and we've, we've learned a lot of that kind of stuff. Like we look back and we say, all right, you know, this is what we're going to focus on now, but it's taken all those, little attempts, all those like little fish hooks out there to see like what, what's going to bite, you know? 
Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it's it's certainly uh, an effort to go out there and talk to people. We were comfortable doing it, but getting our pitch down, um, getting comfortable with with our key messaging to understand what was actually providing value in terms of how we communicate our product to people, that took a long time, you know, and um, and knowing who to talk to was also important. Knowing our market, I mean, that just that's just a lot of conversations and, and practice and just. Um, practice honestly yeah. that's really the biggest thing is the more you do it the better you get no matter if it's art if it's like process if it's uh just execution everything improves through practice were there any was there anything unexpected when you first started doing this once it did start hitting the public were you surprised by anything maybe the reception or success or even something that a bump in the road that you didn't quite see coming um lots of bumps in the road um lots of uh, small successes, things like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the one of the, the, the biggest surprises is it's, uh, I think I heard a quote once, somebody said it was kind of like uh, starting a business was kind of like pushing a train. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of impossible to push a train, but once it starts to move, it starts to pick up steam. Yeah. Um, and so one of the biggest surprises for me was understanding that, you know, you hear this thing of like right time, right place. Right. Um, and it's kind of a little bit of both. It's the train analogy with the right time, right place mixed together. And I say that in the sense of, um, yeah, you do have to be in the right place at the right time sometimes to get lucky. You know, for us, we got really lucky procuring the right branding vendor to help take our vision to life. But we had to learn so much uh, before that to direct them to understand what our vision was, right? And we had to understand what our vision was too first, right? You go to somebody and you say, we're going to make a cactus root water. It's going to come out any one of which ways yeah. possible, right? But the way that you've learned is the best way to communicate your product is through practice and understanding your your audience and understanding your product to the level that you know this is good, this is not good. Um, so to be in the right place at the right time, it takes a lot of hustle, it takes a lot of time, and it takes a lot of train pushing, right? Mm-hmm. So when people say right place, right time, I think it's just like anything, right? It's just getting your break. It's just yeah. getting that break in uh, in your life, that opportunity to kind of be ready for when that opportunity comes. Because somebody can come in and say, hey, I love your product. Um, let's get it in a thousand stores tomorrow. And you're like, wait a second, like right. I don't have enough product to fill that. And then they're like, all right, well, sorry, then I'm gonna go somewhere else. Um, so you have to be ready for those times, but you need to set yourself up through just a lot of preparation and putting yourself in those situations where those right times can come along. That's why I stop being jealous of other people's moments. It's like they're, everyone wants everything immediately and it's natural. But yeah. in reality, yeah. when you're starting a business or most things in life, it could be relationships. Like there are times where you just, you just want it, but you weren't ready for it. Like I wouldn't be ready to be married at 19. Oh like, yeah. yeah. Like if the perfect... Beyonce can put to me and I'm like literally out of high school. Like I wouldn't know what to do. I know. Or if someone yeah. handed me a million dollars for an idea and I was 20, I'm going to blow through all that money exactly. and I'm not going to be ready. So you're absolutely right. Like you do, you work your way. In, like I, what, what, what helps someone personify luck? Because I remember we used to talk about luck in sports and it was like when practice and preparation meet opportunity or something like that. Yeah, that's a good and, and it's literally like, yes, you someone can randomly walk up to you and ask you something crazy and great, but if you can't do it right. and you, you wrongly commit to it, that's a door that's probably gonna be closed forever. Right. So you have to give credit to the people who do have those stories because they worked their butt off to get in the situation to perform. Yeah, it's like the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? Exactly. That's the, that's the quote. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So what was the first feedback you got as far as like taste and product and stuff like that? You know, like, cause I mean, 
the uh, nutritional benefit is clear, yeah. but like I feel anything that's food based, man, it's so people are so finicky about what oh, they like sure. and what they don't like. Yeah. And there's stuff that people drink like Red Bull's not good. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, we drink it for energy. It's just a thing we do. So when you're putting this out there, how do you even know like, yeah, we can't do this that like we don't want it to be some like fruit drink thing. It has yeah. to do this. How does that kind of cause effect thing kind of go? Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like people have different taste buds yeah. and different preferences and experiences and some things kind of ring like a nostalgic bell to them. And they're like, oh, I like this more because of that. Or they just grew up with liking pulp. And so they like pulp and others don't. Right. Um, I think there's a couple of thoughts on that. I think the first is, is, you know, people will do like taste demos and like, they'll be like, all right, I'm going to do like, I'm going to sample 200 people or like 20 people even, right? Yeah. 20 my friends and see how they feel. And and then you hope that they give you good feedback, right? Chances are they're not going to because they're your friends. But, um, you know, they, let's say 50% of them like it, right? That doesn't mean that 50% of the people in the real world are, are going to like it. It just means that of those 20 people, 10 people happen to like it because you pick those 10 people. Um, and so sometimes with uh, demos and things like that, it, it's really tough. I don't know how much I believe in just asking for 20 people's opinions and saying like, all right, you know, if 18 of you guys like it, that means this is going to be a successful product. And if two people, you know, two people don't, or only two people like it, that means it's not going to be successful at all. You kind of just have to trust your own instincts sometimes, you know, um, your brand is an extension of your creative self. You know, it's all of your energies, your personalities. Yeah. And honestly, you know, this is maybe naive in, in people who have done this for a lot longer than, you know, than I have or that we have together, but, you know, the way that we kind of approach it is like we wanted our brand to be almost like creative vomit of who we were as people. Like, because if we couldn't believe in it, if it wasn't truly us, then it'd be so much harder to sell the product, you know, so much yeah. harder to, to convert people and, and be passionate about it. But if it's truly you and it feels like you and it came from you, it's like your little baby in a way. It's so much easier, you know, no. um, to, to kind of talk about it. So, yeah, our first version of our product came out and I just remember like we it looked nothing like this It was in a glass bottle, like half the label. We had made this label a magenta color, thinking that the drink was going to be magenta because the fruit was magenta. And then it came out like this orange color. <laughs> and we're just like, this doesn't make any sense because the, the, the glass bottle is like orange, but yeah. the label is like magenta. But that's all we had. So we put it out there in stores and then we're like, all right, this is this is a monumental like accomplishment. Right. The first moment you, you held the bottle in your hand and you're like, this is real. And you put it out there and you're like expecting to like start to make some turns and um, and some sales. And uh, we demoed it at a, at a store. And I remember like the first person that that like drank it and they're like, oh, this is trash. And you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like OK, well, here, here it goes. Right? Like this is going to be this is going to be tough. And then and then the next person was like, eh, I'm not feeling it. And the third person was like, oh, I really like this. And we're like okay, that feels a little bit better. Like, that's yeah. kind of like, this, you know, whereas we're like super eager, like showcasing this to the world. Um, and then, and then maybe like 10 samples later, somebody came and they're like, oh, I really like this. And they bought a bottle. And we're like, that was our first sale. I don't even remember what that person looked like or, or you know, um, you know, what that ex experience was, but I remember. And then in that same taste test, we had, uh, you know, maybe like, 50% uh, of people were just like, this isn't for me. 40% uh, were like, oh, oh, wow, I really like this. We had a couple people even come forward and say like, oh, I was an entrepreneur once and this is what I've been doing. And like, they start like talking to you and you're like, all right, like I can't, you know, we're here to take yeah, like, yeah. demo, like, <laughs> say this for another conversation. And you start getting all these characters, right? 
Um, and we try to do so much that first taste test. We try to collect data, like, oh, we should survey everybody, like document, like what, let's figure out our customer base. Like what was their approximate age? Were they male or female? Did they seem like they came from like uh, a workout or like what kind of like person is this that, that likes our product? And then we realized we couldn't do that either. Like it was just like all these, all these things that we thought we could do uh, for one taste test, we couldn't. And, and this just, it just over the course of like a year and a half, just taste testing that original product in only like five or six locations. It wasn't yeah. like we were expanding everywhere. We just wanted to learn. We were able to figure out, all right, this is working. This isn't working. This is how we should change the taste and made the change, made the label changes. And then again, over and over and over, just made very small batches of product, yeah. uh, tested them in the same locations with different people over and over and over. And eventually we we got to a point where we said, okay, now we know what we want from a label perspective, what we want from a taste perspective. And, you know, uh, we rebranded this product and um, we went from something like 50% of people not liking it um, to probably about 10% now, nowadays, you know, where we kind of get a, a much more communal sense of like people are coming in, they're saying like, wow, this is really, really good. And so we've moved the needle, but that's taken time, right? Yeah. And, and we've accepted the fact that we're just not going to please everybody. But if you keep improving, you're going to start getting a bigger, bigger audience. So that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I'm out. I thought it was. <laughs> that's cool, though. Sure, I mean, sure. I, I like how you work towards that common goal. Man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So how do you do you find it hard to uh you seem pretty organized. You, is it easier or hard for you to allocate time outside of work in this? Like, um, are you pretty disciplined about not doing this then, doing that then, and that's just it? Uh, it, it takes up our, our entire weekends, that's for sure. The, yeah. the best thing about beverage is that, um, you know, the beverage market doesn't really sleep, and it's also not a 9-to-5 gig. Like, mm -hmm. people don't shop 9-to-5. I mean, some people do. A lot of people do, actually. But a lot of people also shop after work. Right. So, like, in the evening. So, going to taste test like six to, you know, seven thirty, five to seven thirty, that's a peak time to, sh to go taste test yeah. people because they're just getting off work. They're just heading home. They're going to pick up some groceries and cook a fresh dinner or whatever. Um, and that's when we get off of work, right? So we go and we do a taste test and we educate, we convert some sales and we, we continue the process. Right. Um, but because we're in that industry, it's allowed us to kind of do that. Um, nice. If yeah. it were another industry that were, you know, I mean, this wasn't something we planned. It just worked out. You know, if it were another industry that were a little bit more predicated on like a nine to five workday, it would be a little bit more challenging. Yeah. But we're, we're kind of lucky in that we have the evenings and we have weekends, which yeah. is, that's where, uh, you know, people go to festivals. We do SOA every Sunday, which is probably our best experience ever. Um, you know, we meet a lot of cool people. We get a lot of great sales and we learn a lot. That's that's the biggest thing. And we get a brand out there. You know, we have our own tent and everything. Um, weekends is when we do that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we don't really have weekends anymore. Um, yeah. But that's not to say that we do this and it feels like work. This is the complete opposite. Like our nine to five jobs. It's work, you know, but our five to nine jobs, that's that's passion, that's fun, yeah. that's enjoyment, you know. Uh, and so we go out there and we have a great time and, you know, we uh, we just are never more tired after after a day of uh, SOA or, or taste testing. But we would wake up and gladly do it again the next day if we could. You nice. Know what I mean? So that's the biggest difference that we've noticed is like if it's a passion project, if it's yours, if you really are truly enjoying this um, pursuit, that it won't feel like a job. You nice. know, um, and, and that's not to say that every entrepreneurial pursuit is going to feel like that. There there have been others that, you know, we've pursued where it still feels like work because yeah. your heart's not in it. Right. Um, but if you find, you know, something that you truly enjoy and, and that work doesn't, you know, feels like you just want to go home and do it again. The problem that you'll, you'll start to encounter isn't 
can you find time? It's like, can you find time for the other things in your life that are important too? Like spending time with loved ones, friends, right. um, just taking time for your mental health and like relaxing and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. So, so what, it sounds like you've built some steam, taste tests are going well. Mm-hmm. What are some milestones you have? Like perfect world, six months, a year from now, if you accomplish a couple of these things where you're like, all right, this is good. Yeah. Um, you know, we, you know, t- uh, I think some milestones would be to start scaling. I think that's the first thing is is growing to a, a point where we're we're with a production facility that can really kind of help us kind of grow. And mm-hmm. um, you know we 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 are so fortunate to have like really really good partners that we hope to partner with um, for our entire journey, and we will continue to partner with um, and as we as we continue to scale. And so just get to getting to a point where we can scale, and um, you know that that that's gonna be a big milestone and. A couple of key accounts, you know, like Whole Foods is a big one for us. You know, that to us is, is um, you know, is, is a nice measure of success for us in, in this local arena that we would really like to kind of get into along with, you know, Wegmans, mm-hmm. um, you know, Roche Bros, like some of the bigger accounts that uh, that we think have a lot of the sort of target market for our audience, um, you know, and that just takes hard work and time yep. and getting into, you know, smaller accounts and just driving velocity to those accounts to prove like, hey, we're not just here uh, to, to make one order, but it's, you know, this product's moving, people are interested in it and, and it will sell on your shelf. Um, and so it's going to take a lot of just, you know, demos and just advertisement and just word of mouth and just continued exposure to kind of get there. Um, but our hope is that, you know, when we look back six months from now, we'll say like, Hey, you know, we did it. We got into a couple of the accounts that we really wanted to get into. Um, and, and that's it. And then, you know, a little bit more like, one year, one and a half year, uh, kind of goal is to, to be really regionally known, you know, like we, we met in Boston, right? Yeah. Um, so it's important for us that we build this brand in Boston. Uh, and this is where our home base is. This is where we're going to really kind of build the the basis of prickly, which is, you know, again, a cactus fruit water, obviously cactuses grow a lot in Boston. <laughs> you know? So it makes a lot of sense now, but, uh, but at least in Boston, we just want this to be like home for us. Right. And we want this to be the place where we can kind of proudly say like, Hey, this was made in Boston. We met in Boston. This is important to us. So we want there to be some regional excellence there and like in, you know, a year and a half come back and say like, Hey, there are people in Boston that are saying like, Hey, have you seen this like cool brand out of Boston called Brickley? Yeah. Like we want that to be, you know, sort of our, our, our uh, story. Um, so we're really kind of focused on that for now. Nice. Yeah. I, I'm really excited about drinking this. The, yeah. the, the light blue is like mad calming. So yeah, I'm yeah, a big yeah. fan of it, but no, I, I like, you have everything in order. I like it. It's passion, but it's very, it's a very efficient passion. It's yeah. very organized. So I definitely see big thanks for Brickley. I wish, I wish the best for your team. How many is it? So it's five of us nice. now, um, nice. and uh, you know we have a couple of interns and ambassadors that are helping us out. And stuff. Awesome! And that's always a growing team, you know. Yeah. So um, you know, we're always looking for for help with uh, our expansions as well. So you got a machine going. I like that a little bit. Yeah, know, that's it's cool. Still a lot of sweat, and we're greasing and gassing a lot too, you know. But that's expected when you don't, you know. Once you once you once you're bootstrapping, you're starting out small. Like you got to cut costs, and you that, do. that means you got to do everything yourself. And yes, you should want to do that. If you don't, then I mean, I don't know how far something's gonna go without that passion. You know. Nice. Well, let's uh, let's see if we can get some more help. Where yes. can people find you? Reach out to you, follow you, support you, find your product. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, uh, we're obviously found at our website prickly.com. So. 
feel free to just hop on there and you can make orders. We deliver to everybody in Boston, but we ship across the US and feel free to use a discount code, uh, code superfruit15, superfruit15, that's one word. Uh, and that'll give you 15% off of your order. Um, we do sell everything in four packs. We sell them in 12 packs. So online is your, your best way to go. If you're in the Boston area or Connecticut area, we're in about 20 or 30 stores in the, uh, all, all along and down the coast. So we'll be in Dave's Market soon, Geisler's, um, you know, Highland Park, those, those types of chains. In Boston, every Sunday we're at SOA. So if you guys are thirsty and you want a beautiful Sunday afternoon to spend with friends, check out some awesome like art, uh, design, foods. Um, you know, SOA is a great place to spend a Sunday afternoon and you can come hang out with us and try some prickly. So appreciate the support. Oh, and uh, social media, uh, just follow us at Drink Prickly. We'd love a like, a follow, anything like that. You know, just kind of uh, follow our journey as we expand our beverage in, in the Boston area and excited to kind of see what's next. Nice. Do that. Drink it. Follow it. This is great. I really appreciate this. Thank this is so uh, much, it's motivating too. It's a, it's like it, it just the work sucks at times. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you like you, you keep turning on the TV. You see people. You're like, what the hell? Why am I not there? Yeah, but you know yeah. what? It's good to know. It's gratifying. Like it's really gratifying to see the hard work, uh, see the fruits of your labor, and to see it come through other people. It's like, all right, I know when I go home, let's yeah. just bust this out and work on these new things. So yeah, absolutely. I, I really appreciate the free inspiration. I wish nothing but the best for your team. No, We're going to do what we can so help. Much. Yeah. So to everyone else, you can find more of our interviews on our website, moonlightersclub.com. Mostly every podcast network we're on, on YouTube as well. If you are an entrepreneur slash employee or were at some point, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear your story. Uh, you could just email us or find our email on the website. So thank you again. Thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you next time.